Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we had a week off. We're back here, and uh, we, we've had a little bit of sports news. Yeah, we're starting to get some stuff back in our lives. The NBA, uh, hopefully continuing to progress to that July restart. The MLB, still in shambles. We'll talk about that. We had the Belmont Stakes yesterday, some golf, so feels good that returning to some sort of uh, normalcy here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last week we had the PGA. There's a playoff there. Uh, Morikawa missed a putt that I think was very relatable to any golfer um, who's ever ever golfed, I would say. Um, one of the best things I think he could have done for his brand, actually. Definitely. I mean, I've done it. You've done it. You've probably done it more than I have. So it was very relatable seeing that and his little, like, mm-hmm. his little step after he missed it just trying not to freak out so 
is relatable and just good to have those kind of moments back in our lives, uh, moments we could all laugh at and enjoy, not you know negative news, which feels like it's been since March. Do you think we could get Bet Online to post when we go to LBI later in the summer odds for our head-to-head match? We should definitely ask our good friend uh, Dave Mason if they would do such a thing. I mean, I've won, was it five in a row versus you? Five um, in a row, interesting. I, the answer is three. Yeah, um, you know, when, when you win so many of those back to back to back and just seeing you collapse and me just... It would be a shame. It would be a shame to have such a heavy favorite fall this summer. So I do, I do hope I have plus odds. It would be nice. Yeah, I mean, people, whenever we do golf, I feel like people expect you to win, maybe because you're older, you're a little taller, but I just... Yeah, a little better looking. Yeah. You want to compliment that, me on my haircut? <laughs> no. But uh, it just fuels me every time we play, and I've won three in a row. I was joking about the five, going for four in a row, so I'll let people keep doubting me, and uh, when it comes to August, I'll win again. All right, yeah, we'll get Dave to post to post odds on that. I'm sure it'll be a huge market. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as as we said, sports are percolating in the news. Um, the MLB continues when we had on Jeff Perlman a couple weeks ago. We spoke about it. Just the MLB's problem overall, um, even before Corona and this whole thing, uh, in terms of marketing their players, taking advantage of social media in the same way the NBA and some other leagues do. They just don't they don't the players don't have that star power um and at this point tyler it's it's like maybe we'll get a 50 game season seems like which actually like if if that were to happen i think as baseball fans i would be excited but i've gotten to a point where i see the back and forth negotiations on twitter and my eyes just glaze over i'm just like i john Heyman, you're gonna tell me again about another proposal that could work and like it's just you're like the boy who cried wolf yeah, it's just it's so irritating. They're turning off all, any casual fans, even diehard fans like ourselves. Like it's starting to turn me off from it. It's just so pathetic that the MLB, the owners, I believe, offered sixty games. The MLBPA came back with seventy, and the owners just aren't like hearing that, and they're like, "We're sticking to 60. Like the difference between getting the season started and bring something back in our lives is over ten games. Are you kidding me? And You know, the owners keep saying, oh, we're losing money. It's like everyone's losing money in this economy, and you're a billionaire, so you losing a couple million dollars here or there isn't really affecting you. Maybe you can't buy an extra lake house next summer, but there's people, real people who have lost their jobs and are, like, you know, starving to find new jobs, and it's hard. So that argument over, like, 10 games is just turning so many people off. And even if they do come up with something, which I'm very pessimistic that it's just not going to happen, uh, they need to do in the next couple of days. And even if they do, it's been so ugly and played out in public that it's going to have such a bad long-term impact. I think. Yeah, I think it. I think it will have a lasting impact on the league after this point. Um, and especially going into the year, you had the Astros plot line. You had like drummed up interest in baseball to see what was going to happen with all that, um, and it just feels like the wind has totally been let out of their sails. And I think um, in in terms of, like, where does baseball go from here, I don't really know. Like, it doesn't really seem like Rob Manfred is, like, he seems like the perfect captain to get to to lead us into the Titanic here, to hit an iceberg, to sink the ship. Because, like, even think about some of the things he said uh, during, during the whole Astro scandal, just calling the uh, – 
the World Series trophy, like a piece of metal. Um, like you're you're the commissioner. These guys work their entire lives. They're the best at what they do in the world. They won. They're accused of cheating. And you're like, oh, it's just a piece of metal. Like, I'm not going to take it back. Like you 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 have to be able to set a standard that like there there are things that matter in the game. And I just feel like to to see that glimpse into his personality during that whole thing uh, was just a little bit uh, foreshadowing for what where we're at currently right now. Yeah, it's it's been a brutal off season for him. I feel like since he's been commissioner, there really hasn't been anything like major and the MLB like was doing fine, but like we've said, declining in popularity amongst an age like the younger age group. It's an older fan, we all know that. Like but no one was really calling him out on it. He's just kind of like going through the motions. Then you had the Astros thing, the Red Sox, maybe the Yankees even potentially. Yeah. And he was just he was just a complete noodle during it. The comment about the World Series trophy was so bad. You're the commissioner of baseball. You're supposed to be, like, all about the history of the game. Like, baseball of anything is all about the history and the stats and all that. To make that comment was so dumb and really not punish them at all, not suspend any of the players. That was a bad look. But, again, what I said when it happened, at least there was that storyline and there's going to be excitement. Now with this, it's such a bad look. And he works for the owners. I don't know if they're going to fire him, but... There just needs to be a new commissioner. You look at the other sports, like the NHL, Gary Bedman, who I feel like everyone says is a horrible commissioner. They've got a plan together. They still have some details to work out, but they're they're able to come to an agreement. Adam Silver is by far the best commissioner. He listens to both sides. is very progressive, hearing everyone's ideas. And people will criticize Goodell, but I like the NFL will get it together. Like he might he might turn people off, but like he at least knows what he's doing. I think at this point. Rob Manfred is just, he's a joke. Well, Gary Bettman, like, what was it? When we were growing up, there's either the lockout or the strike season. So he got, like, put in the doghouse. But he, like, slowly but surely has risen the ranks. And, I, I, yeah, I had no opinion on Rob Manfred for the first X years of his career. I was like, oh. Like, there are probably points in time where you could ask me the name of the commissioner of baseball, and I'd be like, uh, like, you could show me pictures of Rob Manfred, and I wouldn't have known who he was. Um yeah, the whole the whole state of baseball it's tough. It's it's brutal, I think. Um we'll see what happens. Like I don't know. Golf, every sport that comes back is like skyrocketing popularity just because people are desperately looking for something. Um Yeah, yeah they had the chance to come back like July fourth potentially. Like that would have been awesome, like for the country and everything. And like Korea's playing baseball, so it's definitely possible to be playing right now. Um, so just frustrating. And every passing day, it just seems like they're they're not closer to getting a deal done. So, and that just keeps reducing the schedule. And then the owners are just basically putting in a position where oh, we can only play this amount of games because of when we struck the deal. So it's it's a terrible look all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we wanted to do, because there's been zero positive news around baseball at all, um, a little snake draft here, top three baseball moments, um, so we can take that in, in any direction uh, we want here. Um, and Tyler, since your birthday's coming up soon, I'll let you get the first pick. Thank you. Um, so for my moments, I was trying not to go to San Francisco Giants heavy, because obviously we're fans of them, and that could just be every moment. So I went with some other different ones, and maybe I'll do one Giants one. So my first one, I was re-watching the highlights today. It's just absolutely wild game. Uh, Rangers-Blue Jays game five, ALDS 2015. This was the game where the seventh inning was just absolutely madness. It was tied 2-2. 
The Rangers take the lead. They had a guy on third. Russell Martin throws the ball back to the pitcher, hits off the bat. They think it's dead. Guy comes home and scores. Huge controversy around that. Rangers go ahead, and then the bottom of the seventh is absolute madness. Mm-hmm. Elvis Andrews makes three errors, and then Jose Bautista hits that absolute moonshot home run to give them the lead, and everyone's going crazy. There's a little uh, scuffle after that with Sam Dyson and Encarnacion. It's it's an unreal moment, and the crowd is just so electric. It's it's unreal. Joey Bats. Uh, and wasn't that didn't that invest? instigate uh, the later, the Ruffney Odor, Joey Bats thing? Was it a couple of years after that? It was, it was the next season when Bautista slid into him and Odor just, <laughs> just rocked in, in the face of, you know, that became a rivalry. And I looked it up, they played again in the playoffs the next year and the Blue Jays won again. And those Blue Jays teams for those couple of years were, I mean, it was only five years ago, but they're so swaggy with Bautista, Encarnacion, Josh Donaldson. They had David Price that year. That was when they traded for him uh, to Lewitsky. So those teams were fun and just the crowd. And obviously we don't know next time that'll happen. It was just so cool to watch. Everyone just going crazy together. So what's your uh, first one? All right, my first pick. I'm going with something a same here. I'm not going to go with Giants first couple. Um, this this series, Red Sox Yankees ALCS 04, just all all time for someone like us growing up in New Jersey. Yankees just owned, absolutely owned uh, our childhood in terms of baseball. We're amazing every year. They won the year before on the Boone walk off off Wakefield. Uh, the Red Sox have have the comeback, and there's a ton of incredible moments in this series. But the one I want to do is Johnny Damon hits the grand slam in the first inning of Game Seven in Yankee Stadium, and I still remember watching it um, and just being like, "Oh my God! Like this might actually happen. They might complete the comeback from down three out. They go on." to win the game, win the series, and ultimately win the World Series, breaking their curse. But that Red Sox team was so fun as a Yankees hater with Poppy, Manny, like all these guys and all the personalities there. Uh, Obviously, you had the Kurt Schilling, the bloody sock game. But when Johnny Damon hit that home run, it was just an all-time, like, holy shit moment. (laughs) This is actually going to happen. And the stadium was dead quiet. Yeah, that that series is just incredible, like you said, for Yankee haters, and that was when they just got A-Rod, too, so they were just all-time hateable, and the first three games, they just destroyed them, too, and it's like, okay, the Red Sox are done, and it's crazy because the Red Sox have won four World Series since then, and now they're, like, you know, power, but, like, that curse was, like, was it 88 years, so I feel like yeah. people people forget that, and it spawned, spawned a great rom-com, uh, Fever Pitch, with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Great movie. We did get that out of it. A great uh, 30 for 32. Um, was it 30 days in October? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I uh, that that series series was incredible for any baseball fan. I just think that um, those Red Sox Yankees rivalries like that that felt like that carried our childhood in terms of baseball and was probably one of the driving reasons behind why it was so popular. Um, but it's not that element isn't as present now. My second pick, I'm going with one uh, from the 2016 World Series, Yankees, or sorry, not Yankees, Indians, Cubs, um, an insane series, two franchises with a ton of just obviously both having curses and and a lot of painful memories over the years. But Rajay Davis hit a home run uh, late in this game to tie it up, and and the fans were going absolutely insane. And it was a missile just down the left field line, barely got out, and 
it, it was an incredible moment because I think it, on both sides of the aisle, you have the Indians fans going crazy. Every Cubs fan in the world thinks, oh, my God, this is actually happening again. And just as a third party to it, going to Indiana, having a lot of Cubs fans, friends is like – oh, my God, the Indians are actually going to do this. Um, and, and then, obviously, there's a rain delay. Cubs come back. They end up winning it all. But that Rajay Davis home run, former San Francisco Giant, uh, was was incredible. Just an absolutely surreal moment because the Cubs had beaten the Giants in the playoffs that year. So I was very hard rooting for the Indians in that series. And I was at Indiana at the time and at a bar. And everyone's rooting for the Cubs. I had to kind of remain quiet. And just him hitting that home run off Chapman was so surreal like this guy who has just been like a utility player his whole career and saying to one of my friends, like he he does have some pop. Like if he gets a hold of one, like maybe it'll go out and it actually happening. It was just insane. And then it's kind of like a forgotten moment, right? Cause I ended up losing the game. And what is like not really talked about is like Chapman stayed in the game after that. And anyone, I feel like most guys just would have like collapsed and they would have lost the lead and lost the game. Like he pitched the rest of that inning and then the ninth, and, like, yeah. didn't give up another run and kept them in the game. Like, pretty surreal. And the managing in that series was just all-time, I thought, horrible between Madden and Francona just overusing their bullpen. And we saw it happen in Game 7. Andrew Miller pitched way too much in that series. He ended up pitching terribly in Game 7. And the yeah. same thing with Chapman. Those guys were just running on empty. Yeah, especially the, those Indian teams were so reliant on their bullpen. And it just it can only take you so far i think they essentially ran andrew miller into the ground but he was so good that postseason it was it was amazing i mean that's that world series was incredible and that's the thing about baseball the regular season is so long there are so many games but playoff baseball year in year out gives you these moments that are so dramatic like even this past year with the nationals dodger series and the 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 world series as well just like so many incredible moments Mm -hmm. and the thing about that you make a good point on, like, those Cubs and Indians teams both had so many, like, great young players. They're st- I mean, they're still all pretty good for the most part with, like, Chris Bryan, Lindor, uh, Chapman, just all these guys. And, like, yeah, we watch the playoffs and we have these great moments. And then we have this long regular season and you'd think the MLB would, like, put so much emphasis into marketing these guys. Oh, you remember this guy in the World Series? And that just doesn't happen. It's it's really unbelievable. Um, so my next moment... <clears throat> In 2011, on the last night of the season, there was a ton of playoff implications between in the AL, you had the Red Sox and the Rays fighting for the wild card spot. And in the NL, you had the Braves and the Cardinals fighting for the wild card spot. And just like absolute madness happening across that night with all these games going on at the same time. You had the Red Sox who were up nine games going into September. They collapse. They're playing the last place Orioles. The Rays are playing the Yankees. And just like the craziest things happen that work out for the teams who like the Rays and the Cardinals. So the Red Sox were up 3-2 in the ninth, two outs. They couldn't get the game done. The Braves were up 3-2 in the ninth, two outs. They, they couldn't get it done. The Rays were down 6 nothing to the Yankees, 7-3 in the eighth, and they come back. Like, just all, like crazy stuff all happening in one night to end the regular season. And then the Cardinals obviously go on to win the World Series that year. So that was, that was a great night just with all those different teams going and just how all those games happen to work out and go into extras and walk-offs is awesome. Yeah, I think baseball has those moments where it's like really anything can happen. No matter 
like as great as Mike Trout is, we don't have one amazing postseason moment from him. Like he's just been on average team. So you have these kind of glue guys that have bounced around, which kind of goes into my last moment. I'm going with the Giants. Whoa, man. whoa, whoa, whoa. I get two. Oh, you get two. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. I get too excited. Snake. And just in the ra- that Rays game versus the Yankees, this guy, Dan Johnson, hit a tying home run. He played 30 games that year and was batting 108 and hit a tying home run when yeah, he was exactly. with two strikes. Just like things like that, I feel like don't happen in other sports that often. And he was like, um, a, he was like a MLB road to the show player like two weeks <laughs> before that. <laughs> yeah. Called up in September. Um, so my last one, I'm going to do a Giants one just to be uh, a little biased here. I'm going to go with uh, Tim Lincecum in Game 1 in 2010 versus the Braves, NLDS. This was the night after Roy Holiday threw the no-hitter versus the Reds. I mean, he was great in that game as well. But Game Score, which is like an advanced stat created by Bill James, who kind of started all the analytics movement, Game Score for pitcher performance. Lincecum's was 96, Holiday was a 94, so Lincecum pitched better than him, according to that stat. And he was... Unbelievable. 14 strikeouts, only two hits, one walk, and they won one nothing. And that was just like the peak Linsencom game. We'd, he won the Cy Young in 08, 09. We saw how great he was, and this was their first postseason in a while, and just how dominant he was, and that kind of set the tone for their, their World Series on that year. is was unbelievable. Yeah, that Linscom was one of the most fun pitchers because we saw him <clears throat> at a game in uh, in Philadelphia. We came down, we saw him, got a got a little picture with him. He's he's I think he was well listed at like five eleven, and there's no way. I think the guy probably weighed one sixty, soaking wet, probably five eight five nine, and he kind of burned out a little early, but won a couple Cy Youngs and just. The way he pitched was so fun to watch. Like I very much miss having Tim Linscum in uh, in my life. Yeah, when he, he when he came back last year for Bochy's retirement, like that was the first time he's really been seen in public. He's pretty private in a while, and like the crowd reaction when he came out was awesome. And I don't know if you're gonna do this, but like Bumgarner in 2014, how dominant he was, like that was incredible, and we love that. But like a single game dominant, I've never seen anything more like in like dominant than Linscom in that game one. They just couldn't they couldn't do anything off him. Yeah, he was a different level of dominance when he was on, um, compared to compared to anything we've seen with Bumgarner. Uh except for postseason Bumgarner, which is my third pick. Uh twenty fourteen Mad Bum. A team that like the pitching staff just wasn't that amazing um but mad bum was that great uh and in that world series in the postseason he pitched 52 and two-thirds innings that's a single postseason record his his career world series era tyler you want to take a guess at what that is uh, like 0. 0.8 0.25 wow <laughs> Um, he's he's also hit. I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. He's hit two career grand slams, which is also a record for pitchers. Um, but him coming into that game seven in the fifth, uh, PV started the team like the fact that he came back on short rest, came in on the road, and was able to to get the do- job done there is just the stuff of legends. Like the guy is not as good of a regular season uh, pitcher as Clayton Kershaw, but just that, that level in the postseason is unmatched. And and his competitive drive is just like, he's he's just a different breed. I know. I think if we were just doing bias picks, I would do all Giants and then just like Clayton Kershaw collapses in the playoffs, which yeah. there are a lot. And like you said, regular season Kershaw, 
definitely better than Bumgarner in the regular season, but postseason, I, there's no one been better in our in our lifetime. And yeah, Game Seven coming in and their staff that year, you kind of touched on it. Like it was older, and by the playoffs, they were just all kind of worn down with PV Hudson and uh, Vogel song, and they, they, none of those guys could really go like longer than like four innings in a game. No, yeah, the bull, the bullpen was good. They had a great. I mean, they've had a great infield in terms of support. But yeah, Madbum pitched the wild card game through a shutout there, and then just like kind of continued rolling through the postseason. Um, but yeah, love that guy. Sad he's not on the team anymore. But like, was happy to know that that story came out of about him like bull riding and that Bochi knew he he was like doing it under another alias. Like Madbum is just he's he's one of a kind. I've read a story. I read a story about him that him and his wife, they were in New York. Like uh, it was, it was when they were playing the Mets or something, and it was he needed to long toss or something. So he just went to the field with his wife, and like, they just they, they just like long toss. Like he just lives a different life. I didn't know that. That's a crazy story. But yeah, he's. I mean, he's from the South. He just has like a different lifestyle. His wedding gift to his wife was a cow. I don't think most people uh, do that. So he's just a different animal. And just every time he pitched in the postseason, even when 2010, his rookie year, like he was just lights out in Game Four of the World Series versus the Rangers. It was two one. That's usually a swing game, and he just shut them down. Like whenever the moment was big he rose up to it so yeah he was awesome so good to reminisce on these good uh baseball moments even though the last couple weeks it just it's just all been terrible yeah there are there are some good highlights out there on the youtube streets definitely recommend it baseball clips are perfect for youtube too like just eight ten minute clips sometimes even shorter but you kind of get the feel um and uh yeah so we're, we're gonna take a quick break here Come back and and talk about the return of Double Shot at Love. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they've simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and props to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, Cody, we've talked a lot about, you know, the return to sports during this coronavirus. Obviously, the NBA has their plan. We just talked about baseball, uh, some other sports going on. But something that did come back that lifted my spirits a lot and can lift the country's spirits, we have the premiere a couple weeks ago of Double Shot I Love Season 2. Second episode just uh, aired this past Thursday, so if you're trying to catch up, you don't have a lot. Um, season one was great. We loved it. We talked about it every week for people who need a reminder. This was the Vinny and Pauly D dating show on MTV. Um, you know, it's bachelor style on MTV. Season two just came out where they have six of the girls from season one come out and meet them in Vegas. And they brought some friends. They brought some friends. Uh, Darren, one of the stars of season one who Polly left at the altar. She brings three friends from Hoboken, one of which uh, I played travel baseball with growing up. So a real fork in the road moment for me, being like, damn, where did I go wrong? Uh, to not end up on this show. But the season two has come back with an absolute vengeance. I think... One, when we got the trailer and the news that Double Shot was coming back, this was probably in, like, April, was thrilled. We're like, yes, thank God, something to look forward to. June, not far off, great. 
Um, but once I read about like the kind of the way it was going to be done, same girls, I was excited, but I was like, I don't know, it might get stale. But I think it's it's kind of perfect because you have, I think about it in like two ways. You kind of the two girls that are there still kind of for a dating show. You have Murray and Vinny that clearly have unfinished business, and Nikki and Polly who we've 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 spoken about much in the past but there's a lot going on there uh she still has strong feelings for polly um so they're on like a real dating show those four now we have the ecbc crew the east coast girls uh we have the three new guys with all of their jersey shore energy uh we have Susie as well and i feel like they're they're kind of like it's almost like a mini jersey shore so we get the best of both best of both worlds this season plus they're in vegas and then like oh we need a break from vegas <laughs> just i'm on a private jet to miami which is perfect like of course um so i think in terms of promise like going in i tried to go in with like kind of level expectations being like i don't know season two it's kind of hard the first two episodes i don't know if it's quarantine brain they've been amazing no they, they've been great i think everyone who's watched it would say the same the, the ratings uh this past thursday night the jersey shore season finale was number one and double shot was number two so people are, are watching and, and they're enjoying it but yeah i think that was a good breakdown between kind of the two different groups let's let's start with the first group the the uh, drama with Nikki and Maria and Vinny and Polly, the lovebirds. N- Nikki to come in and act like she wasn't going to like see Polly or talk to Polly is insane. When she walked into the suite, she was the last girl to arrive, and she walks in and sees Polly, and she's like stunned and turns around and she's like getting upset. It's like you knew Polly was going to be there. You're staying in his Vegas suite, which looks insane she's she's great reality tv because like obviously she knows that it's like that piece of it is isn't that like she i'm sure she's upset seeing him but like that drama and stirring the pot and leaving the room and uh needing maria and Susie to come over and Susie with a great one-liner put on your best outfit get out there and slay um it, it felt like it felt like we were back yeah the yeah, it was. It's obviously cooked up a little bit, but I like to think this is all real. Um, and then Maria and Vinny, it just reinforces the fact when he when he sent her home, I agreed with him because she just she she wouldn't open up. They like kept getting stuck at the same phase. I didn't disagree with that, but the fact that he picked Elise as his you know girlfriend insane. whatever at insane. the end was was an insane move. I would have loved to see Elle back in it, um, but. Yeah, so the fact he picked her was dumb, but yeah, they still have drama. Vinny is just so awkward as a human that he's not talking to her, um, so I hope they're able to squash that and see where it goes, because I did think it, the best connection with Vinny last season was Maria until the end where she kind of faded a bit, so yeah. I love to see that, and then as far as the other crew goes, we already have drama <laughs> with Brandon, the uh, kid you played baseball with growing up. Uh, he hooked up with Marissa in the last episode, so <clears throat> now we'll see where that goes, that drama. And I was telling you yesterday, this was one of my favorite moments from the season <laughs> so far. Um, Marissa and B. Lashes are talking at a pool party. She says, Marissa tells B. Lashes that she likes him, they're vibing. And then she's like, it got, cuts to her just talking, and she's like, yeah, he's, he's a fuckboy. I like, <laughs> I like uh, fuckboys. And then it cuts to a scene with Brandon on a stage at the pool party having a girl twerk in his face. So <laughs> it's it's classic Jersey Shore mixed in Vegas, so I'm all, I'm all for it. It's, it's, so, it's just so good. And even 
Marissa talking to B-Lashes and Darren the next morning being like, should I call my mom? Should, should I call my mom? Tell my mom. Uh, the, uh, the other thing I want to touch on, Brandon, Brandon's been a lightning rod to the show, I would say. Um, he's 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 going to be polarizing. Love him, hate him. You're going to have a feeling on him, which is exactly what you look for at a reality show. Now, his two friends, uh, I want to touch on them. Pool Party Poppy, I think is he's an electric factor. I'm a big fan of his. It seems like at some point I think he's going to hook up with B-Lashes. That feels teased out in, in the trailer. Um because they keep saying how, like, in after the first episode, like, feels like I'm on a couple's retreat. So, mm-hmm. um, but he's like, uh, I, said, I said this to our cousins last night. We rewatched the first episode. They're they're hooked now. But uh, pool party poppies like Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street, like Donnie, like, <laughs> I, like that. That seems like an inline character uh, comparison. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he has the same uh, addictions like Donnie did in Wolf, but I, I do see it. Just like the crazy friend, and then we have Nikki, who I, I really like. He he reminds us of Marty Mush, who works for a barstool, kind of the same guy, and he's from Staten Island as well. He's trying to make a move on Susie, and I it seems like Susie's not into it, but then she says she is. She's been standoffish. I think Susie's just trying to do her sparkle and shine in Vegas and try to set herself up uh, with a career going forward because her parents were not thrilled she's doing season two. Yeah, her parents want her to focus on the nine-to-five. That wasn't bringing enough excitement into her day-to-day. So we get Susie in Vegas. And Susie at all times is, uh, it's like if you blow out a speaker, you're like, oh, shit, my ears. Like, ah. Like, that's that's her laugh. Yeah, it's very loud. I, I was never a huge fan of it. I know I know you're a fan of it, but uh, mm-hmm. I feel like she's great in this situation because, like you said, we have Maria and Nikki still with Vinny and Polly trying to sort those issues out. We have the East Coast girls with their three friends, and we just kind of have Susie in the middle who's like, I feel like the uh, – What's the word? She she calms all the drama down. She could be there for everyone. She doesn't really have any fight in the matter, so she could always bring that non-biased perspective. So I like her role in this, and I, th- I think we're set up for a great season. I'm excited to see what happens when they go to Miami, and we saw a preview for last week that they're they're all working at Dre's nightclub where Polly D uh, DJs, and they're working there, and we've seen there's some drama next week with B-Lashes and Darren just getting like kicked out uh for something they do so i'm excited for all of it um i hope b lashes can find love because last season she was kind of the house mom everyone's friend didn't really vibe with vineyard polly but i'd love to see her find love in vegas mm-hmm. especially with someone like pool party poppy be a, a match made in heaven but uh i think i think that wraps it up tyler do you have anything else for us no that's it so anyone who hasn't watched yet thursday night's they moved it up, so I think it's 8 Central, 9 Eastern from now on on MTV. Highly recommend first two episodes. Catch up so you could uh, follow along with us moving forward. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.